It's college basketball. Basketball? Basketball! Did I do basketball? No, um, play basketball, snowboarding, more basketball. We did win the basketball game. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of The Daily Bounce. I am Peter Warren, here with our two, my two esteemed colleagues, Andrew Golden, Charlie Goldsmith, and boys, we have a lot to talk about. We're recording after the Maryland game on Tuesday. You know, in Shepherd, not our usual location due to the frigid temperatures outside. But I'll tell you what, it might have been colder in the Xfinity Center today. You look at the shooting of the Wildcats, down 23% for most of that second half. A little run at the end brought them up to 31. But Charlie, what happened today? Wait a second. Let's recap. Well, on Saturday, the Wildcats got Ethan Happ, and today they got Bruno Fernando, uh, someone who has been just extraordinarily dominant in a conference with a bunch of really strong, powerful centers. <laughs> Fernando did it again against Derek Parton. He dropped, what, 22-10, and 10, um, was graceful running the floor, uh, showed Derek Parton uh, how advanced post moves can truly become with or things over his right, things over his left. Um and again, just showed the fact that Northwestern lacks that star, that uh, true difference maker, especially with Biff Claw struggling. For those of you who didn't watch, Maryland won the game 70-52. to And as Charlie mentioned, it's a few days ago in Wisconsin. A big win for the Badgers. They won 62-46. So again, big double-digit margins. Andrew, we were all, all three of us were at that game in Wisconsin. Charlie mentioned some of the similarities. What are some differences between the two games? I just, I just think Northwestern really struggled in that game to – I think they struggled to just make open shots. I think against Maryland, I think in the first half, Maryland's played really good defense, and they struggled to just make contested shots. I think they got some more open shots in the second half. I thought Wisconsin, they had plenty of opportunity to kind of climb back in that game. I just don't think they took advantage of their opportunities. Um I, I just I just think the problem is uh, Chris Collins said after the game, like most teams have one or two guys that they know that they can rely on to get points every night. And that guy was Vic Wall and now he, you know, has you know problems with his knee knee tendonitis and now he's not who he was and Northwestern doesn't have a second option. Um, besides pardon, but they don't get part they didn't get pardon of post. That's the one thing I did notice. Um, was that they didn't get as many touches to pardon against Wisconsin, but in Maryland in the first half, they tried to get more touches to pardon, which is weird because they had Jalen Smith and Bruno Fernando. It's like, why are you trying to feed it to pardon now when you could have done it in the previous games? It's interesting you mentioned that, that, you know, with Law struggling, we all know about knee tendonitis now. Ever since that came out via Teddy Greenstein and the Chicago Tribune, we've seen a lot of, you know, Derek Pardon getting a lot of play, a lot of touches. Something I know Andrew was very vocal about early on about happening. Yes. I know me and Charlie agreed with you on that take. But now that you both have seen sort of two games of Derek Pardon getting primarily the most touches, and he hasn't really performed up up to the, what you would expect of a guy who was so efficient to start the year. Charlie, what are you seeing from him that's sort of disappointing you? I mean, I'm not disappointed. He's just being straight doubled. Um, I think the biggest issue is that uh, Ryan Taylor and A.J. Turner have not made three-point shots consistently, uh, save for like two games this season at any point. Northwestern doesn't have a counter to use off of its post-ups other than Derek Pardon throwing up a shot. Uh, and he's evolved so much of an offensive player. I'm going to be writing about that this week. But there's nothing like sadder than a postman without – a, a guard to get him the ball, or B, a guard to throw the ball back out to. And Derek uh, 
is becoming like like getting the ball to Derek's almost a point of no return at this point because of the lack of offensive creation around him. I don't know. I think I, I agree with that point, but I think in terms of getting part of the ball in the post, I think you might want to look to maybe starting Ryan Greer. I know against Wisconsin, he kind of showed more aggressiveness on the offensive end. Um, Northwestern kind of lacks a true point guard. AJ Turner the past couple games has been, has been struggling a little bit to find his rhythm. Um, I guess Wisconsin, he had four turnovers. Um, he didn't start the second half. He didn't start the second half, and Ryan Greer started the second half. I know Ryan Greer is young, but it's like he's developed and you need a true point guard at some point. It's like maybe have AJ Turner start in his natural position because this isn't his position. Maybe have someone come off, coming off the bench. I just think that Northwestern needs a change. They need some sort of rejuvenation to get them going. I mean, they have a game against Penn State coming up. I think that's a good chance for them to figure out where they where they are. But I think why not throw Ryan Greer in the starting lineup and have a true point guard and see how he can he can execute. And on top of that, look at the past two teams Northwestern's played. Uh, Wisconsin starts two six foot ten players in Happen Rivers, uh, in uh, Maryland obviously two six foot ten plus super not super sorry super prospects and super talent in Jalen Smith and Bruno Fernando and then Penn State say what you want about them but Mike Watkins is the biggest guy in the Big Ten like that guy's huge and he'll present similar challenges for Derek Pardon so even though they don't have the talent as the teams Northwestern have been playing recently they'll be able to have pardon the same problems yeah and you mentioned I want to go back to something Andrew just said about Ryan Greer the man has played 21 minutes and 24 minutes the last two games the only time he ever got above 20 was once against American early in the year. And if we all remember that American game. It was, was a close game. It was a close game, but there's nothing really memorable about it. I mean, we couldn't make any three-pointers, and it's like the same problem we have now. Except against American. That's true, so it wasn't as big of a deal. But, I mean, also, A.J. Turner's played two of his three least amount of you know minutes in a game. I mean, 25 minutes against Wisconsin. That's his third lowest all year. And then today, or Tuesday, depending on when you're listening, only 11 minutes today against Maryland. You know, a top 25 ranked team, you're technically starting point guard only playing 11 minutes, not because of foul trouble, just because of just inefficiency. I mean, we've oh, the big talk most of the year has been, you know, point guard play, where is it gonna come from? Who's gonna be doing it? Is it time to admit that it might be time to give the reins to Greer and say, we're not focused on next year. We're gonna be Greer, we're gonna be boo-boo. And you can sort of say, all right, AJ, you can now sort of work on playing off the ball. Andrew, what do you think? I think it's time. I mean, I, I just said it. I mean, I think it's time to start Greer. Why not, why not throw him in the offense, see see what he can do? He's obviously growing. Um, he's been working with the coaches, and he said he's been working with the coaches. He's gaining confidence. Why not give him a chance to see what he can do? I think you still start A.J. Turner. I think he just has to find his rhythm. I just think that, you know, playing point guard isn't his natural isn't his natural talent. It's not his natural position. I, uh, in the month of December, which is a very specific time frame, but in the month of December, I don't remember Chris Collins being more uh, optimistic about a player as he was A.J. Turner. He had big games against Illinois and against DePaul. And I remember Collins saying that, like, he's had so many private conversations with A.J. saying that, like, you've been struggling, but I believe in you so much. Shoot the ball. You got this. We love you. We believe in you. Oh, that's so sweet. And I don't, like, see that same rhetoric or that same sentiment that Collins stressed so much in December January evident in how many touches he's getting and how many minutes he's getting, etc. I think AJ's a fine player. I think um, he's the most intelligent driver on the team. I think he's the best shooting for him on the team. Um, I think Ryan Taylor's the one who I'd put on the bench. I agree, though. Uh, I think it is time to... You think, you think Ryan Taylor I, I, I think Ryan Taylor should be put on the bench, yes. Um, I'll get to Ryan Taylor in a second, but Ryan Greer... Uh, like obviously, he just provides a different aspect, and he provides a more conventional way to play basketball. Taylor, though, I tweeted this out and put it in my story. Of all the players in the NCAA who take seven or more threes a game, 
Taylor has the second worst three-point shooting percentage at 35%. Number one's Cam Reddish, so put what you want into that stat. But what it clearly says is that Taylor's chucking a lot of threes and that he's doing it worse than everyone in a power conference. I also think that just from watching Northwestern's offensive sets, it just seems like there's not... It seems like they're they're running in like like a they're they're right across the court, getting the ball with Vic Wall on the side, um, and then there's not really anything happening. And then the shot clock runs down to ten, and they just go to panic mode. It's like there's not really a form of offense where they're really getting open. I just think they kind of they they, they start in the middle. Vic Wall gets it on one side, Ryan Taylor runs the other side, doesn't get open, and they just go to panic mode. I just think they need to reset the whole offense. And I think Ryan Greer can help facilitate that, but their offense just really isn't flowing in any way, shape, or form. Sort of reminds me of the Philadelphia 76ers offense in a couple of ways. In one, uh, how there's a constant presence on the block uh, in Derek Pardon slash Joel Embiid. Uh, but again, oh, the big... Derek Pardon. No, you know Derek. what I mean. No, I'm saying there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a constant... If you're just looking in terms of X's and O's, there's a constant, no, not even a threat. There's a constant human being standing on the block or at the block extended. Does that make sense? There are very few teams that uh, still use post-ups, and the Sixers are one of them, and Northwestern's also one of them. If you're looking at where human beings are standing, there's 99% of the time a human being on one of the blocks, not in the dunker spot or in a high pick and roll um, or even a side pick and roll uh, like Golden State uses a lot with their bigs. Um, but uh, and also how many or how much off ball action there is coming from the corners onto the wings. It's something that Philly has done to have J.J. Redick playing the best basketball of his career, to have Landry Shamit uh, outperforming every rookie selected in the 20s, uh, in my opinion. And Northwestern doesn't have shooters uh, in that system, and they don't have uh, the threat of someone attacking the rim to make you not want to stick to those shooters. And it's just all these flaws, and it's all these uh, like decisions that I'm struggling to understand because, again, like Derek Pond's not Joel Embiid, and there's no Ben Simmons who's a constant threat at driving to the basket, which means you have to stick on him after he has a dribble handoff or something of that nature when he gives up the ball. And there's no uh, shooters who you have to stick to and go over top of screens when they come from the corner. So it's like this system that I don't think matches that. In my obviously, I, I might actually talk to Chris Collins about this because right, we're media. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> but uh, it's like a system that. I don't feel matches the talent. Does that make sense? I think that's really interesting because a lot of talk in the preseason was new offense, you know, without the point guard interest, a lot more ball screens, a lot more, you know, a lot less ball screens, a lot more off-ball cuts, actions. Do we really think, I mean, obviously it hasn't really worked very well. Should Collins scrap that and say, all right, we're going to have more guards. We're going to go back to Ryan Greer. We're going to run a little bit more pick and roll and try to go back to that. Well, I think it's interesting because obviously I don't want to compare the Northwestern and the Sixers because the Sixers are really, really good. But you look at when Boston ran into trouble last year in the playoffs was against the Boston Celtics where uh, they had either Aaron Baines or Al Horford who could just stonewall Joel Embiid and they had uh, so many big presences who could get in the way of Ben Simmons as well uh, and Philadelphia was awful um, because they had no way to create separation until they put TJ McConnell at the starting point guard spot uh, late in game three and then into game four were some of the best basketball they played in that series like at the college level I think Ryan Greer is a similar player to TJ McConnell and I think it kind of forces you to be more creative about how you use Vic Law when you're not uh, demanding that he be this initiator which clearly with his injury he's not equipped to being and also I think when you have a point guard you're more equipped to run hot pick and roll and use Derek Pardon more as a short roll player which is what he did all of his first three seasons and has barely been doing this year yeah I, the, the only thing is it's, it's just so late in the season it's like I mean are you, you completely change 
everything you've done. I mean, I, I, I think I here's think, the other like teams change like more often than you think. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's like they know plays where this is how their offense works, and it's not like you're starting from scratch. Yeah, I, I, I just wonder how much experience Ryan Greer has doing the high pick and roll offense. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sure he doesn't. I know, I know. I feel like if Pardon went back to that, I don't think he'd have a problem in the high pick and roll offense. Part that's what like you, like Charlie says, we did for the past three years. I just don't know if it's if you change philosophies at this point in the season with ten games. I think you just try to work with what work with what you have versus trying to, to scrap everything. Um, I know what's worked, but Ryan Greer is not Brian McIntosh, and he's not the offensive presence that Brian McIntosh is. I mean, I mean, I mean, he he attacked the rim against Wisconsin. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Brian McIntosh. He's also a non-shooter. He's, yeah, he's yeah. he's not really, he's not a shooter. He's not gonna hit a mid-range shot or, or hit a floater that Brian McIntosh would hit. So he defensively, I think they would play off him. I don't necessarily know if he would make enough shots to really make a huge difference. I think that's a really good point. But I mean, like Charlie said. Offenses do change a lot during the season. I think just maybe instituting a few new sets. I mean, the amount of times I see Pardon catch the ball above the three-point line and immediately dribble either to his left or his right for a handoff. I mean, I think at some point, if I'm noticing it, you know, a few games ago, I'm sure the John B. Lines, you know, the Mike Turgens, the Steve Pike. I was just about to say that. <laughs> they're all, they're all fit. I mean, you know, I feel like last year it was the horn set. I mean, every single, I remember all the time they'd run horns, Pardon Skelly at, you know, you know, on the elbows and whichever way he'd go. And then it would just seem like they'd just be repeating the first five plays of every game. And, you know, I just think it'd be interesting to see what new type of offense would be. Now, we got a nice little discussion. We're going to take a little pause here for a, a little break. A little station identification. A little station identification. You know, if you have any sponsors at this point, I'll give a shout out to them when we come back. A lot more hoops talk, so get excited. Nope, go to commercial. Go to commercial. Commercial. the commercial. What about commercial? We're at commercial. Commercials. Commercial. You like that commercial? I love those commercials. Welcome back to the Daily Bounce, episode four. Andrew Golden, Charlie Goldsmith with me. I am Peter Warren. Now, our producer Ryan, not able to make the trek down in our Sub, you know, sub zero, sub ten, negative ten, sub negative twenty. Who's gonna, who's gonna run the ones and twos? <laughs> we have nobody running the ones and twos today. But in honor of our great producer Ryan, we're gonna have the Ryan Langman game. Are we ready for the game? I'll be doing. That's a great name, the Ryan, Ryan Langman, Langman game, game of, of the, the show. show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna be playing highs and lows, pretty much. Whoever has the most points in a game, whether it be a team or a player, or lowest amount of points in the game, we're gonna see. We're gonna have you guys guess. We'll do see how many I want to do. Yeah, a little on the fly here, but we'll do the same as uh, our first game. Who am I? First hand to go up. I will give it to. Is this just Northwestern players? Is it all the This is the whole Big Ten. The whole is it this season? It is this season. Teams and players. Teams and players. Teams and players. Right. John Teske. Maybe he's on the list? Why I say John Teske? We will never know until you finally get it right. <laughs> We're going to start off here with a little individual. Can you tell me which player has the season high for individual points in a game? Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards is correct. Can you give me any other details? Um, this is us for fun. No, you got no, the no, point. no. Um, was it a conference game or a non-conference game? Uh, it was a non-conference game. 
I can't do it. Can you do the conference game? That's number two. Uh, no. Wait, uh, in, uh, what, Indiana was a conference game? No. Uh. It was, he scored 40 on December 9th against Texas. Okay. So, one point to Charlie, zero points for Andrew. Little bastard. Can you give me, there are three players, one player for a point. Can you give me the three players who have, have who have the most free throws made in a game? The number they have made four, three players made fourteen free throws in a game this year. Can you name all three? Can you name one of the three? Cassius Winston. Cassius Winston is not on the list. You can keep guessing though. We'll have a few guesses. I'm, I'm waiting for Charlie to guess we can make it even, so. Okay. Give me Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford is not on the three. Yeah. It's so hard. Give me Luke Garza. Luke Garza is not on the list. Um, Anthony Cowan. Anthony Cowan is not on the list. Give me. I'm trying to think, throwing a good team or a bad team. Um, I'm going to pick a Nebraska team, James Palmer. James Palmer is on the list. Ah. James Palmer, 14 made free throws against Oklahoma State, December 16th. That game was played in Sioux Falls. South Dakota? Yeah. Why? It, this, it's this really cool, like old school arena. That's really good. No, fun fact of the day. You ever been to South Dakota, Andrew? I have not been to South Dakota. You could have gotten a point for that, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have two more guesses for both of you. Charles Matthews. Charles Matthews. That guy can't make free throws. Oh, that's right, you can't make free throws. I'm going to stop guessing Michigan players. <laughs> I'm no longer guessing Michigan There are no Michigan players on this list. Okay, you should have told me that beforehand. My gut says no, but my heart says Buzzcut Brad. Buzzcut Brad, not on the list. One more guess each. One more guess each. Charlie, you go ahead. You already have a point. <laughs> um, I don't even know. Uh, Keyshawn Woods. Keyshawn Woods is on the list. Andrew? Oh, God. This could be a huge point for you. This could be a huge point. Should be major. I'm not feeling it. Um, Bruno Fernando. <laughs> Bruno Fernando, not on the list. You missed. Amir Coffee, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota, I knew, I knew the girl from Minnesota. And Vic Law. Interesting. 14 made free throws against LaSalle back in November. So, Charlie 2, Andrew 0. We'll go to rebounds. Who has most rebounds in the game in the Big Ten? Sir. Oh. Nick Ward. Nick Ward is not. Sir Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ is a no. We'll get one more guess. Sir Bruno. He had a 2020 game. Bruno. No. Interesting. Do I see the game? I gotta go with John Teske. John Teske is not. It's Gordon Murphy. Good for him. Minnesota. Minnesota has a couple people on his list. Speaking of Minnesota, can you give me most assists in a game by a player? Is it McBriar because he's on Minnesota? It's not McBriar. I don't know. I was gonna say McBriar too. I don't know anybody else on Minnesota besides the people you've named. Is it coffee? It is not coffee. It is coffee. I don't think I can name anyone else. I can't, I can't name anybody else on Minnesota. Peanut butter and... Really? Isaiah Washington? Isaiah Washington. 13 assists. Against who? Not against either. North Florida, December 11th. So still Charlie 2, Andrew Little Goose Egg. We're going to go block shots. 
In one game? In one game. Can you give me the number? Seven. No. Five. No. Six. No. Four. No. Eight. No. Eight. No. Ten. No. Nine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> going nine. Can you give me the player for double points? Take a hit. Wisconsin. Even that. No. Oh, oh. Oh, I think I think it is. No, I can't say it. I can't say it. You want me to say it? Say it. Nate Rivers. Nate Rivers, yes. But you didn't get on the first guess, so we're going to give you one point. Charlie, two. Andrew, one. Which team scored the most points in a game this year? Huh. We're going to have three more, Michigan, more questions. Michigan. In conference, no. in conference or out of conference? Out of conference counts. Michigan State. No. No. Ohio State. No. They're second. Interesting. 107 against Purdue-Fort Wayne. Good for them for playing Ohio State. Both get one more guess. Minnesota. No. Indiana. Iowa. Oh, my God. Ten versus Savannah State. So, Charlie, two. Andrew, one. Two questions left. Let's go to a tiebreaker round. Can you give me lowest amount of... Ah, no. Nope. Nope. No, I cannot. You wouldn't be able to get that. Nope. Some of these... A lot of teams have zero block shots in a game. That doesn't count. Like Northwestern. Can you give me... Can you give me... uh, Largest margin of victory for a team? Who had the largest margin of victory? In conference or the conference? Yeah, out of conference games count. I mean, uh, Iowa against Savannah State. No. Um, Ohio State. Ohio State's a no. Pick it for you don't want it? Can I, can I get one more guess? Yeah, take a guess. Maryland. Nope, Nebraska. Good for a firm 69 against Mississippi Valley State on November 6th. A staple on Cincinnati's basketball schedule. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Valley State. This is the last question? This is the last question. I got to tie, tie Charlie at least. Worth two points. This question is worth two points. Worth two points. Two points. Okay. Charlie, Let's make things up. interesting. Because I'm up two, right? You're by one. Oh, no. We're two points still. <laughs> okay. Who allowed the most points to an opposing team? This team allowed 95 points to an opponent. In conference or out of conference? In, both of these games are in conference. There are oh. two options here. There are two I was going to guess Michigan State against uh, Kentucky early in the season. But no. Uh, we gave up 95 points to an opponent. In conference play. In conference play. As a hint, one of the teams that gave up the 95 later scored 95 against a different team. Um, I feel like it was Nebraska-Iowa. Nebraska. Nebraska did not let up 95 points in a game. Okay. It's definitely not Penn State because they probably they deserve the biggest win 95 points in a game. I'm going to go with Indiana. Indiana did not. As another hint, these games happened four days apart from each other. We can get both or just one? If you want. You can get as many as you want. Um, thank you. Minnesota. Minnesota had gave up 95. Let's go. Illinois. Good for them. Did I guess the other one? Yeah. So you're up now one. Probably has a chance. Um, who gave up the most points? Well, how State got routed once. I'm gonna go with that. Nope. All 
right, so if I get this, I win, correct? Yeah. So this is all the marbles. I give an anyway. He's up one. Yeah, you still have one more guess. All right. Mm. Charlie, two, Andrew, three. Last time Andrew had a chance to seal the deal. I didn't do he it. messed up. I didn't do it. Purdue. Purdue is a no. Let's go, Illinois. Illinois did. Are you kidding me? Illinois versus Iowa. Oh my gosh. Charlie comes out of the victory again. Andrew, you have not won. How do you feel? I feel terrible. I'm very bad at these games. Um, I need to come back with the over-under. That was my game. As a consolation prize, I'll let you take us to break. All right, guys, we're heading out to break. When we come back, we're going to talk Northwestern and what, how they rank against the rest of the Big Ten. Nope. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. Got the commercial. Got the commercial. What about commercial? We're at commercial. Commercials. Commercial. You like that commercial? I love those commercials. Welcome back to the Daily Bounce. Final segment here. We're going to talk about Northwestern and how they rank now. Still in the lower tier of the conference, but in a, a conference, you know, this competitive. Being so low isn't such a bad team, a bad thing. That sounds like Joe McEwen rationale right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 teams rejected to make the tournament. A lot of bracketologists have Northwestern. Last four in, you know, second, uh, first four out, second to last, uh, second, first four out, whatever to call that stuff. Yes, we're right. Andrew, where does Northwestern rank in your mind in the conference? I mean, to me, towards the bottom. I, mean, I don't think that they're a tor- I don't think they're a tournament team at this moment. I think they have a lot to figure out offensively. I think I think the I think defensively, they're one of the best teams in the Big Ten. The problem is just they really just don't have a form of offense. And I wish Vic Law was healthy because I would really want to see how good this team would be if Vic Law had been healthy. Um, I think that you know they're better than Illinois and Penn State. I think they're up there with Nebraska. Um, I think they just got to win some bigger games against teams like Wisconsin or you know Iowa teams that are towards the middle of the pa- that are towards the middle of the pack. I think they need to win some quality games like that to really establish themselves and separate themselves from everybody else in the conference. Troy, what do you think? Where do they rank in your mind? It's tough because Northwestern's not the only team going through a moment of panic in the Big Ten. We just saw Indiana come through town with a moment of panic. Uh, Ohio State's having their own problems in Columbus. Penn State, we'll see up close uh, and personal on Monday. They have uh, zero conference wins on the season. But then you have Illinois, who just upset Maryland uh, at Madison Square Garden. Uh, you have Nebraska, who's... Uh, one of the most athletic teams in the country, even though they're just 3-7 and seven in the Big Ten this year. Uh, and then Rutgers somehow has three Big Ten wins. Uh, Northwestern played them, remember, without their best player, uh, who was injured for that game. I'd say Northwestern's probably right where they are in the standings, third to worst in the Big Ten ahead of uh, Illinois and Penn State. But I think the margin between Northwestern and Illinois is smaller than the margin between uh, Northwestern and Nebraska. What about, what about Rutgers? I forgot about Rutgers. Northwestern is the fourth worst team in the Big Ten. <laughs> so why is Rutgers ranked as high as they are? So they have three wins. Conference right Yeah, now. let me check out who they beat. I'm just curious. Because um, when we saw them play Northwestern, obviously they had basically nothing going on offensively. But it looks like in the conference they went uh, winless in their December part of the schedule. But then they beat Ohio State. I remember that game. They won that at the rack. Uh, they had some big shots late. And they kicked off that, like, 
awful run for Ohio State. Uh, they won uh, versus Nebraska, which is a team that actually matched up really well against because of their similar uh, reliance on size and physicality. And then they beat winless Penn State. Uh, but two of those wins, Nebraska and Ohio State, are better than any wins Northwestern has this season. Of course, I'll give NU the edge because they beat them head-to-head, but again, Northwestern or Rutgers were missing their best player in that game. That's very interesting. You know, Rutgers, you know, usually bombing the Big Ten, no questions. This year, it's Penn State, no questions, you know, a year after a... Which is crazy, by the way, because they have two probably the best 20 players in the Big Ten, Lamar Stevens and Josh Reeves, but... Well, I mean, they also won the NIT last they year. Did. And, you know, usually, as a boost for, a, you know, big morale for even, you know, winning a... Comp- like you mentioned, you'll get to see some of the winners of the CBI. They propel themselves to success in the NCAA tournament. I mean, teams I mean, like Nevada, teams like VCU, they won CBI when they made their runs. Oyola. I mean, but, but, but you get, I mean, Tony Carr was, was the heart. And here's the interesting thing: he was picked like 50th in the draft, and now he's like toiling away in obscurity in France. Uh, he was drafted by the Pelicans, and they have his rights, but he bet on himself. And I mean, I guess it's good that he's making money overseas, but he would be in legitimate conversation for like one of the three, four best point guards in this year's draft. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with what you just said there, yeah. Charlie. But speaking of Penn State, next week, the next game after we really try to come back after these two tough losses to two, you know, teams ranked in the top twenty five now, Wisconsin and Nebraska. This Penn State game, I mean, Coach Carlos they'd say must win. But I mean this is sort of must win in the way if you lose, how can you, you know, look at your team and be like we can we can make a run, guys. This is a game as a must win because losing it just is inconceivable. I mean, no, I mean Northwestern. They, I mean, the, the chances of making the tournament are kind of, are you know dwindling and getting lower as it is. But a loss to Penn State almost just puts them out. I feel like I mean the bottom bottom of the Big Ten, you lose to Penn State. That's not. I mean, then there's not. There's no. I don't think. I don't think you can do enough to put yourself in by losing to Penn State. So I think it is a must win. I feel you're from confidence moving into the, the road game against Iowa. Um, but this is a, this is definitely a must win at home. I have a question. How many students are going to be at this game? I hope hopefully as many as possible because. But Brewer, how many students are going to be at? I'm just curious. What's your? Give me a number. How many students? I, I, don't, know, I don't know how much. It's how a much, Monday night. How, how much does it hold? How much does Wells Ryan hold? Like, Let's I, say one. Or it, it one thousand. It holds one thousand students. Per Jim Phillips. I'm, I'm saying like 500. Let's also, let's, also not, let's also not forget, this is midterms week coming up. Week five, big midterms week. You guys, I remember at Indiana, it was half filled by student athletes who were recognized on the court at halftime. You, but you, you, you got you to have support for your team. You got to take a break from your midterms at some point. You can't study the whole time. Here's something you're not going to be able to find in the papers, folks. On that Monday, it's not only free cheese curds, but also tank tops for early arriving students. Not every day you get a tank top. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? Would you get a tank top? I'm not a huge tank top guy, but I mean, free merchandise. You can't pass it up. All right. Well, Andrew Golan, Charlie Goldsmith, thank you both for coming on. I know we went a little long today, but you know, thought it was a little fun. It's a big weekend for uh, the cats. You're in the Edmonton area. I suggest you come out. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff. You know, we'll be covering it all. If you can't come out, if you're not in the, read our stuff because we're going to be recapping it. Uh, the cross exhibition match on Saturday, on, uh, I believe Friday, Friday. In, indeed, in the new Ryan Fieldhouse, that'll be interesting, you know, one day lacrosse, next day fencing, big day for the Fieldhouse, big day for the Cats, big day for the Daily, big day for the rest of you. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening today. 
Make sure to follow us at The Daily Northwestern on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.